Psalms 115, verses 1 to 3. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Why let the nation, why let the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he, he does as he wishes. Amen. Thanks, Carol. And uh, Pam, can we have a second reading? The second reading is Romans 11, cha- uh, chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. <coughs> Who can measure the wealth and wisdom and knowledge of God? Who can understand his decisions or explain what he does? Has anyone known the thoughts of the Lord or given him advice? Has anyone loaned something to the Lord that must be repaid? Everything comes from the Lord. All things were made because of him and will return to him. Praise the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. Um, in the interest of uh, full disclosure, uh, the, the, the theme this morning is Can't We All Just Get Along, which was also the name of a, a seminar I went to at Creation Fest and from which I have nicked all the best bits. Um, so any of the bits you like are probably from that and any of the bits that are a bit less good, they're probably the bits I've tried to add myself. Um, but the reason why I thought it would be good to sort of to think about this just now is we're, we're, we're in that season, aren't we? We've got bonfire night tomorrow and we've got remembrance next week. And we live, as we've heard in our prayers of intercession as well, we live in a broken world. We live in a world where bad stuff happens and it's full of intolerance uh, just as an aside, another story from Creation Fest. I was uh, I was uh, in the in the toilet block in the in the morning having a shave. Let's get to that bit quickly. <laughs> and there was a lad at the sink next next to where I was, um, and he was trying to get a shave as well. And, and the water wasn't particularly hot because it very often isn't particularly hot. And he sort of expressed his disappointment out loud. Why? Why is there never any hot water in the morning? And this voice from one of the cubicles said, because we live in a broken world, my friend. <laughs> so, okay. We're blaming God for the lack of hot water now. Or not. Who knows? Bonfire night. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because... Fireworks, oh, great fun. Everybody likes a bit of fireworks. Not always the safest of things. Got to be used sensibly. But what are we remembering? We're remembering and celebrating the execution of Guy Fox, who, depending on your point of view, was either a traitor or a religious zealot or a freedom fighter. 
And in terms of background, we're in uh, the early 1600s, I think. My history is appalling, but if I remember rightly, it's James VI, as I would call him, James I, as you would know him, who is the king. Um, he became king of England in 1603. Um, and he was Protestant. But his mum, Mary Queen of Scots, had been Catholic, and Queen Elizabeth, who had been the Queen of England before he became king, had been Protestant. And we were in that period where um, the, the kind of the religion of the country was sort of ping-ponging between Catholicism and Protestantism, depending on who was in charge at the time. And what you tended to get as well as that was then some sort of tit-for-tat retaliation. So whoever has, was most recently in power would kind of get revenge on whoever had been in power before for all the, the wrongs that they felt they had suffered under that previous regime. Right in past wrongs, even in, this, even in the score, settling old scores. And it's really sad that in parts, particularly in parts of Britain, um, not so much in England, but parts of Scotland, parts of Northern Ireland, that's still going on. 400 years more and folks still taking it out over perceived slights from two, three, four hundred years ago. But it's not just sectarianism. There's all sorts of different isms that go on in the world, isn't there? There's racism, there's sexism, there's homophobia, there's, there's all these different groups all fighting for equality and a lack, there's a lack of understanding from one group to another but we're not like that are we we're, we're nice people we don't hold grudges or petty differences do we let's find out Colin can we have our first slide Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no division between us, is there? Mark, I had that plan before we were talking the other day as well. Because I knew Colin would be here. <laughs> and I knew Carol would be here. It was originally going to be a Wigan one, but I thought that was a bit too much. Can we have our second one, which is a video clip as well? So we're, we're, we're dealing with ancient history here. Um, <laughs> Guy Fox, the last time Man United won anything of any note. <laughs> We've started panto season early. Okay, let's see what you make of the next picture. Okay. And the next picture. Oh. It's interesting that uh, opinion polls and things suggest that um, even people who dislike the monarchy 
a big number of them actually like the Queen. So they don't like the royal family in general, but they like the Queen. The Queen's nice. We like her. Fair enough. And the, and the last one, which is a, a wee clip as well. was indeed Freddie Mercury at Live Aid. Uh, it's also, if you're here early enough, Brian's here every Sunday at nine o'clock, and if you're here at nine o'clock, you'll get a wee glimpse of that every week, <laughs> as he does his warm-up. <laughs> so, you can't help but have an, an automatic reaction to these things. If you're a Man United fan, you want to sing along with a song. If you're not a Man United fan, you probably want to walk out in disgust. If you're a Queen fan, or actually, that was Live Aid. They weren't necessarily all Queen fans, but they still couldn't help but sing along with, with Freddie Mercury. But other people would have said, oh, I don't like him. For whatever reasons. So like I say, we live in a world that's full of division and difference and inequality. We're all unique. In the prayer earlier, I was saying, you know, God made us all individually and God knew us all before we were, before we were even born, before we were even formed in our mother's womb, the Bible tells us. We've got different backgrounds, we've got different desires and ambitions and passions, things we like, things we don't like, and we don't all like the same thing. We all want to be treated equally. We all want to be treated fairly. Treating people equally and treating people fairly isn't actually the same thing. If you imagine a wooden fence and there's a football match going on behind, probably not Man United because we're going to have people who want to watch it in a minute. <laughs> so there's a wooden fence and there's some kids trying to see this football match. And one of them's tall enough to see over. But there's two others who can't see over. And they're different heights. So if you imagine um, Tom and uh, little Zach and big Zach, three different height kids. So you could say, well, okay, well, we'll treat them all equally. We'll give them all a box to stand on. So you give them all a box that's the same height as this. And now Tom can see over the fence dead easy because he could see before. Um, and big Zach can see over just, and little Zach still can't. But they've all been treated equally. They've all got the same size box. So what's the problem? Or you could say, I tell you what, what we'll do is we'll take Tom's box off him and we'll give it to little Zach. So now little Zach's box is twice the height of big Zach's and Tom doesn't have a box. But now they can all see over the fence. So they've all been treated fairly, but they haven't been treated equally. The thing is, we want equality we want equity.
to be treated fairly. And we all want it. But there is a fundamental inequality that we have to get to grips with before we can actually achieve harmony and equality. And that is, no one is equal with God. We're all created equal in God's eyes, but no one is equal with God. Yeah? So we can't sort out equality on our own because no one is equal to God. It's a bit like when the kids have got some sweets and so three kids, Ethan, Alison, Zach, and they've all been given the same sweets. So that's fine, they've all been treated equally. But then Alice has eaten her sweets and now she wants some of Zach's sweets. So a fight starts. And they're not going to sort that out between them. Ethan might try and explain to Alice that she's already had her sweets. And Zach's going to be saying, these are my sweets. And Alice is going to be saying, I want some sweets. And nobody's going to sort it out until Rachel comes along (laughs) as the supreme being in our house (laughs) and says, I'm going to sort this out. And I'm going to make sure you're all treated fairly. So that's the idea we're dealing with, that we might all be squabbling And we're never going to get equality because everybody wants what they want. In a very simple term, who supports Man United? Go on, be brave. There we go. Would you like to see Man United win the league? Yes, good, right? Who supports Man City? Would you like to see Man City win the league? Well, you know. (laughs) Who supports Liverpool? Would you like to see Liverpool win the league? Who supports Everton? Would you like to see Everton win the league? I don't know if we've got long enough. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm a sort of semi-closet Everton fan. Um, Apologies for any other teams I've missed out, but if you think about it, you can't all get what you want. Not this season anyway, or not any season, because only one team can win the league. So we all want different things, and we can't all have what we want. But... God is sovereign over all of us. None of us is equal to God. And the writer A.W. Tozer came up with this example. He said, if you took a hundred pianos, they can all be in tune with each other. But not because they've been tuned to each other, but because they've all been tuned to one tuning fork. You could bring them in from anywhere in the world, and as long as they'd all been tuned to the same tuning fork, they would all be in tune with each other. In fact, I was even thinking about it, and I was thinking, well, if you started at one end and you tuned that piano, piano two to piano one, it's going to be in tune. Then you tune piano three to piano two, and that'll be in tune with piano two. But because of the slight differences as you go along, I bet you by the time you got to piano 100, it wouldn't be in tune with piano one. But if you tune them all to the same tuning fork, they can all be in tune, despite the fact that they might never have been played together before. And it's like that with the, so it's like that with us. Rather than looking at each other and trying to get equality with each other, we should be looking to God and trying to live in harmony with God. Because if we live, if we all live in harmony with God, we're all in harmony with each other. In that first reading, it said, 
our God is in heaven and he does whatever he wants. He doesn't have to explain himself to us. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. Everybody on earth answers to someone. At my work, I have a team leader. He has a floodrace manager. Floodrace manager has an area director. The area director has a director. The director has an executive director. The executive director answers to the chief executive. The chief, chief executive answers to the chair, chairwoman and or the secretary of state for the environment. Secretary of State answers to the Prime Minister. Prime Minister answers to all of us. Everybody answers to somebody. But God doesn't. God doesn't have to explain himself. He is absolutely in charge. If God has to explain himself, he isn't God. So until we accept that none of us is equal with God, and God doesn't have to explain what he's doing to any of us, we'll never get real harmony. Sadly, I think that means we're never going to see real harmony this side of eternity. But at least when we're in eternity, there will be real harmony. The other thing that's a bit hard in all this is that if God does what he wants, whatever he wants, and doesn't need our approval, He's not there to make us happy. That's not his job. His job is not to make you happy. So when things go wrong, when things don't go our way, what right have we got to tell him? God, I'm cross with you because you're not doing things my way. Well, I'm God. What do you want? Our second reading said, you know, who's ever learnt anything to God that God needs to pay it back? Who knows what God is thinking? So instead of trying to tell God how to do his job, just get on with it. Suck it up, as our American cousins might say. It's not that easy though, is it? Because we all want to know what's going on. If you're anything like Rachel... As soon as you ask her to do something, the first question that comes back is why? What do you want? What's your motive behind this? But then when we think about it, even Jesus had to submit to the will of God the Father. In the garden on Gethsemane when he said, if there's any other way of doing this, can we do it that way? But not my will, but yours. So, none of us is, we're all equal in God's eyes, but none of us is equal to God. And God doesn't have to explain himself to us because he is God. As someone said once, either God is God or we are. Who's in charge here? Now, as Christians, we know that Jesus' death gives us freedom. And it gives us freedom not just from the things we do wrong, but it also gives us freedom to forgive other people for the wrong things they do to us. So, Jesus' death was absolutely necessary to pay the price of our sins. 
but we can also see it as an example of how he didn't rely on his power. He was fully God. He didn't he could have chosen not to die if he didn't want to. And he said that to Pilate. He said, no one takes my life from me. I give it up freely. So, even before we get outside, I guarantee you, someone will do something to offend you. I've probably done it already. But when someone offends you, or offends against you, if you like, you've got the freedom to let it go and not to take offence. We live in a world sometimes where it feels like people are waiting to take offence at the slightest thing. Someone will say something and someone else will immediately jump on it, take it out of context and take offence at it. And actually, as someone once at work once said, no one gives offence. The term isn't give offence, it's take offence. It's up to you whether or not you take offence at something. Therefore, it's up to you whether or not you choose not to take offence at something. Whether you choose to, even if someone has meant it offensively and called you something horrific or said something really horrible to you or done something really horrible to you, you still have the choice to say, but I'm going to let it go because I have that freedom. And that is putting yourself... in a position of vulnerability. And it's not easy. Making yourself vulnerable might be going up to someone you've not seen in church before and saying, hello, who are you? I'm Andy. Don't say you're Andy if you're not Andy because that'll just get really confusing. I had a mate at uni who was from Hong Kong. And when we were all introducing ourselves, he introduced himself to me as Andy. I remember this because that's my name too. And I said, all right, hi, Andy. Hi, my name's Andy. And there was another lad in our year, Andy Mackay. And a couple of days later, my mate Chris was talking about this lad, Chung. I'm like, who's Chung? He said, duh, the Chinese fella. It's like, his name's not Chung, his name's Andy. It's like, no, he told me his name was Chung. It turned out Chung had decided that it would be easier for people if he gave himself a Western name. So he picked Andy. And then halfway through introducing himself to people, he realized that there was already two Andys, and that would be confusing. So he, introduced, so he then changed back to Chung and introduced himself to half the year as Chung. And eventually we worked it out, and it was less confusing, but for a while it was even more confusing than before. So make yourself vulnerable and introduce yourself to people, but don't introduce yourself to Andy unless that is your name. There we go. But it's the same as a church. We have positions that we hold as individuals. We have theology that we've arrived at as individuals and as a church. And they'll be different to other people's. There will be differences in theology from that side of the church, figuratively speaking, right across to that side of the church. And there'll be people who hold views at one end of, of a spectrum and people who hold views at another end of the spectrum and all the colours in between as well. Or black, white and all the shades of grey in the middle. We're appointing hopefully, soon, sooner rather than later, 
a special category minister. The advert is out. We've now got past the point where we might find out if someone has applied, I think. No, we've not. No, shake of the head from Steve. It's coming soon, the point when we find out if someone will have applied. And even if they haven't applied yet, we're now into that point where we should find out. People are looking, people are finding out. Do we want to be in Birchwood? Do I want to help the Christians in Birchwood reach out to their friends and neighbours and colleagues? Guess what, folks? When we do that, we're going to meet people who offend us in one way or another. Possibly just by being who they are. We, as a church, need to make ourselves vulnerable. We need to go out physically and spiritually and come alongside people. We need to step down from our moral position, our theological position, in order to meet people and get alongside them. That's not weakness. And that's not compromising what you strongly and firmly believe. Being vulnerable, I I would argue, actually takes strength. Whether that's an inner strength that you have in yourself because you're a confident person and you know that I can listen to someone's point of view without it prejudicing what I believe. Or whether it's strength that God gives you because you suddenly find yourself in a position where you need need to think, right, I need to connect with this person or these people and I need to to do that properly. I need to put to the the background a bit what I want to say. Or whether it's the strength that comes from the fact that we as a church are here for each other, holding each other up, like I said clumsily earlier. That we go out, whether it's in twos or threes or more, or individually, but we know that we have a family of fellow believers behind us who will support us. So we don't have to compromise our beliefs to connect with people. But you won't connect with people if the first thing you tell them is that they're wrong and I'll tell you why and I'll give you 16 reasons and this is why. We all know people who, no matter how good you show them, you know, show them something, and the first thing they do is spot the one little bit that's not right about it. I wasn't looking directly at you. <laughs> I was just looking around. I'm trying to make sure I look around at everybody. She's not here now, so I can say, my mum's like that. A trivial example. You can sit, well, you can sit her down. She sits herself down. She's a grown-up. But the kids will be watching some kids' TV program, Bing or something like that, who knows, Peppa Pig. And mum will come in and she'll sit down with a cup of tea and after a couple of minutes she'll go, what's this rubbish we're watching? It's like, well, the kids are enjoying it, mum. You know, oh, it's just nonsense. Well, of course it's nonsense. It's a talking pig. <laughs> and another pig driving a car. Come on. If we start by pointing out to people where we think they're wrong, we'll struggle to get through to them. If we start by saying, actually, we're focused on God, we're trying to be in harmony with God, 
Perhaps they are trying to be in harmony with God too. We'll only find out by asking them and by speaking to them and finding out how they think they're in harmony with God and how we think we're in harmony with God. If we had any talented musicians in, I could have... Mike! When you play a chord, it's two or more notes together, isn't it, that make a, a melodious sound. A chord. Yeah. Come on, work with me, work with me. But there are certain notes that work well together and there are other notes that don't work well together. So you might find that when you're trying to be in harmony with someone, actually you do come to the conclusion that there's something, the note they're playing isn't going to create harmony with the note you're playing. And between you, you might be able to figure out why that is and how that might be different. Or you might find straight away that actually the note they're playing is in harmony with the note you're playing. And so you can get along. And, and, and chords are nice because they fill the music out, don't they? It's not just plink, plink, plink like the way I play keyboard. It's much fuller sound. And that's... Pardon? Go on, give us an example. Thanks, Mike. Oh, we're on. That's one yeah. note. I know that. That's a nice one. Yeah, it's not so good. That's a sad sounding chord. write any of this down <laughs> but actually my last little point was getting along glorifies God so getting along with each other working together to be in harmony with God creates that beautiful chord creates that fuller picture that greater vibrancy because if the church was just full of people like me, it would be absolutely awful. Even if there was just one other person like me, to be honest, I think I don't think we could. Rachel can't cope with me and my dad and my brother are all together. And we're not identical, but we're just that little bit too similar. It just drives her mad. So it's probably a good thing that neither of them are in this church. It'd be a long travel for them from Scotland as well, but. We're going to go out, we're going to meet people, we're going to want to get alongside people. And we need to be able to talk to them about how we're trying to be in harmony with God. And we need to help them to find how they can be in harmony with God. Because God has made each of us equal in his eyes. And he's made each of us different. And we all have our own different likes and preferences and passions. And some of us even support St. Helens. But we can all be in harmony together if we're all trying to be in harmony with God. I'm going to read this last quote. I skipped over it, but 
Um, like I say, I went to this seminar at uh, Creation Fest called Why Can't We All Just Get Along? Um, and it was by a guy called Ephraim Buckle. And uh, he, he read this quote, and I didn't write it down at the time, but fortunately you can download the, uh, the seminar from the Creation Fest website. And I'll get Rachel to put a link on the church website so you can hear what this sermon should have been. Um, but he, he quoted from a book called Weak and Strong by Andy Crouch. And I'm not going to give any more introduction. I'm going to read it and see if you think you can work out why I thought it might strike a chord with, uh, with some of us. Flourishing comes from being both strong and weak. Flourishing requires us to embrace both authority and vulnerability, capacity and frailty, even, at least in this broken world, both life and death. It just struck me that in our church vision, we've got the different layers of tilling and planting and harvesting and all that, and the top one is flourishing. And we've kind of always struggled to define what flourishing might be. I'm not saying this is the, de- the definitive the definitive definition. But that idea that by being able to be strong and weak, by choosing to make ourselves vulnerable from our position of, of strength, because no matter how strong you feel or not, to people out there, you are, you are strong. You're coming at them from a position of strength. I am from the church and I believe this. Choosing to, to make yourself vulnerable takes strength. It's not weak. Sorry, I've not filled the book. So the three things to, to remember, if you like, and there's several bits to each one, so there's not more there's not three, there's more than three. But you have to have three, don't you? That's the rule. We're all created equal in the eyes of God. God didn't create any one of us to be better than any of the rest. But no one is equal to God. God is sovereign. He answers to no one. And he does as he pleases. And lastly, vulnerability is not the same as weakness. In fact, it takes strength from within or from God or from being a a group or a church. Thank you.